lot of things on the calendar to be a blessing to you and to your family in one way or the other. Um, remember that September the 23rd, which is about a month from now, we have our um, Family and Friends Day, and we invite all of our family and friends to be with us on that day, and we'll serve a lunch afterwards, as we have done before, and just eat together. It'll be a casual Sunday for families, and uh, we'll enjoy being together. On that day, Randon and, Rene Randon and Lindsay Clark, which if you don't know is our son, they pastor uh, the Triumph Church in Beaumont in Nederland. They're going to be with us on that day, and uh, I look forward to introducing to some of you, um, and maybe you'll have a time to spend personally with him uh, at the lunch on that day. We're entering into an important transition season. It isn't just go back to school, uh, but uh, it's a new season. And uh, Rannon and Lindsay are going to be transitioning to uh, Stafford Sugarland this fall, uh, being a part of the uh, lead team here. Looking forward to having them on board. We need their youth, their strength, their gifting, and uh, they're going to be a great blessing to us. With their arrival, Renee and I will be a little more free to move into a new season of our lives. We're going to start working with the churches at large more than we have in the past. And um, we feel like the, the, the two moves are going to be very good for all the churches uh, and be a blessing to you. The word God has spoken over this church is very strong and very powerful. And uh, we continue to move forward. And so um, this fall and winter will be a time of transition, a little bit of shifting. But it's all good. It's all God. And it's going to carry us to where we need to be. Uh, Renee and I, we get to lead from a little bit higher level. Maybe get to travel to some of the sister churches more than before. Work in Washington, D.C. Pastor Mike Hayes has asked that we work with the Churches in Covenant, which is our network of churches around the country more. And uh, we're looking forward to this new season of life. And I hope that uh, you will uh, release us to do that uh, and bless us in that endeavor. Uh, we're not going away, uh, we're just um, moving to the next level and the next season of our lives, and uh, we're all going to be a part of this, we'll be the founders forever, and we're always going to be a part of this house, and what happens here will be a reflection of our leadership indefinitely. So um, no goodbye parties, just uh, bless us as we transition and move forward in our lives. But be sure and be here on the 23rd because we've arranged it where you can spend some casual time with them um, and uh, talk to them personally if you haven't already done that and uh, raise your level of comfort with Randon and Lindsay. And that's on um, the uh, 23rd of September. So um, this is a new semester, and I know that it, if you're a parent, you're probably rejoicing because your kids are either gone back to school or about to. Uh, it's amazing how kids are not looking for it, parents are, can't wait for it, but uh, that's the way the world works. And life comes back to some sense of normality and our schedules improve and uh, the, the summer is gone and a new season arrived. And uh, when a new season arrives, it's, it's, a, it's, a uh, it's, it's not only true in the natural, but it's true in the spiritual as well. And, uh, you know, at the end of every season, you're kind of ready for that season to end. Like, uh, I was outside working the last couple of days in my yard, and, man, the heat index was way over 100, and I was sweated down to my underwear, and all day long, man, it was hot. 
And I'm thinking, man, I'm glad for this season to be over. I'm ready for the next one. And you know, in, in life, there are seasons, just like seasons on the calendar. And when you get to the end of a season, there is something in you saying, man, I'm ready for the next season. But if you live life without the understanding that there are seasons in life and nothing is permanent or forever, and that you're traveling through life seasonally, then it helps to understand the movement and you start looking forward to a new season. Uh, and so if you're at a place in your life, you know, you know what, I, I really uh, am looking forward to some changes and something new and fresh. Just release that old season and believe that God has a new season for you in the spiritual realm that you can step into. If you're going back to school or going back to college, uh, whatever uh, your vocation is, just look at it as a grand new opportunity to start fresh, begin new, and declare with faith, it's a new season and it's going to be a good one. It's a new season and it's going to be a good one. So we make the shift. So today, I, I have a word from Scripture that I want to give you for this new season. Uh, what I'm envisioning is, first of all, as I share this Scripture with you, that it drops deep down in your heart. Now, I know that you don't remember every verse that I quote or read and teach from. I get that. But I also know that the Holy Spirit can bring a verse to you and drop it down into your heart in such a way that you can't forget it. Boy, there's some things that I want to forget that I can't. And some things I need to forget, but I mean, I want to remember, but I can't remember. But the Holy Spirit helps me to remember things that He has ordained and He knows is going to be a blessing to me. So I just pray that as I share this verse with you, that it'll drop down into your spirit in such a way that you can't forget it, but you can draw strength from it uh, in the coming season. Can you say amen? Joshua 1, 8, and 9. It's been one of my favorite verses for a lifetime, and um, I love sharing it with you here today. Let's look at it. Study this book of instruction. That's the Bible. Uh, when this was written um, several thousand years ago, it, was not, it would not have been the complete Bible because the complete story had not been finished nor written. So it was the book of Moses Probably the first five books, we call that the Pentateuchs, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and Deuteronomy. And this was the books that he refers to, the book of instruction continually. Everybody say continually. You know, one of the great keys in life is studying the Word of God continually. And so um, there are some seasons that I have more reading study time than others. And I realize that not every day, every month, every season looks exactly the same for anyone. But I must study the Word of God, study the Bible continually. Everybody say continually. Then he said, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Look at this word, meditate. It simply means mentally rehearse that verse, consider that verse, Dig into what that verse means and how it applies to you. And for you to meditate on a verse, there has to be some portion of that verse that you've committed to memory so that you can rehearse it mentally. So learn how to meditate on God's Word. You know, our minds um, 
have control mechanisms in our hands. And we can control what we meditate on and what we do not meditate on. And we have to intentionally make the choice, I'm going to meditate on the Word of God. And um, I, I spend almost every day, I would like for it to be every day for sure, that there is a, a particular verse for that day that I meditate on throughout the day. And sometimes I may meditate on a verse for a week. Um, and so I always want some specific verses that are revolving around my mind that I'm meditating on and I'm feeding from. And it's amazing how relevance comes to those verses as I'm meditating on them and they're applying to my life. I mentioned to you how that I use the Uversion app on my phone. And every day it sends me a verse of the day. So usually before I ever get out of bed, I reach over, grab my phone, open one eye, hit my U version, and I read the verse for the day. And it is amazing to me, and I'm going to repeat myself from last week, uh, how that they have over 300 million uh, readers every day all over the world, and somehow they know what verse I needed for that day. I don't know how they do that. But it's amazing how those verses day after day have meaning and relevance to me, and when I can reach over, get that phone, and read that verse first. It's a good way to put a verse in my mind that I can meditate on throughout that day. I recommend it to you. Can you say amen for that? All right, then he said, if you meditate on it, you can be sure to obey everything written in it. The key of God's Word is obedience. You can study it, meditate on it, memorize it, you can know it from cover to cover, but if it doesn't result in obedience, it's all lost. Only then, everybody say only then, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. How many of you want to prosper in life? Nothing wrong with prospering. We desire to prosper. The essence of God's blessings is prosperity. He wants us to prosper. And prosper means to have what you need and to do well in life and have a good life in general. It's not just about money, it's about all of that. Then you will succeed in all you do. You will succeed in all you do. Boy, do you know what a magnanimous promise that is? That God said if we'll put His Word in our mind and meditate on it and obey it, we will succeed in all we do. Here's a great confession for you and I. As we make endeavors in life, small endeavors, significant endeavors, big things, little things, temporary things, long-term things, this is my promise that if I'll read the Word, study the Word, meditate on the Word, obey the Word, that I'll not only be prosperous, but I'll be successful in the things we do in life. How many of you want to be successful in all you do? You mean you don't want to be a failure? Come on. Nobody wants to be a failure. We want to be successful. Let's go to verse 9. This is my command. I want you to look at that word command. He's about to command us something. This is not a suggestion. This is not a good idea from God. This is a command. Are you ready to hear a command from God? All right? Be strong. And that's the title of my message this morning. Be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong. It's a command. You know, last year we had a hurricane, and, and, and it was Houston strong everywhere. I still see that from time to time, and I thought, man, that's right out of the Bible. That's exactly what God said to Joshua and Israel. He said, be strong. 
So strength is a choice, putting yourself in a position of strength. Sometimes you and I can make choices that puts ourselves in a position of weakness. Spiritually speaking, we can put ourselves in a place of weakness concerning temptation. We can put ourselves in a position of weakness concerning relationships in life. We can put ourselves in a position of weakness concerning our finances. So there's so many ways that you can, you can unknowingly put yourself in a position of weakness. But at the same time, you can make a choice and say, you know what? I always want to put myself in a position of strength, spiritually, relationally financially. I want to put myself in a position of strength because the Word of God said, commanded me to be strong. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong. Well, he also wants me to be courageous. So courageous, courage is not an emotion. Courage is not an emotion. It's a decision. It's something you decide to be. It's not something easy the more difficult it is, the more courage it takes. But whether you need a little courage or a lot of courage, it has to be a decision. I am going to be strong and I am going to be courageous. That's God's will for all of our lives. We face the future with faith and we face it with trust. Believing God, trusting God, knowing that God is on our side. Do not be afraid or discouraged. So we have two things that you and I have to face in life. Fear and discouragement. And of all God wanted to warn Joshua about, who is just now taking the reins of authority from Moses to um, himself, he said, I don't want you to be afraid and I don't want you to be discouraged. So fear and discouragement are huge enemies in our lives. We have to learn to recognize these enemies up front. When am, I, when am I being bombarded with thoughts of fear? What am I afraid of? What are those, the origin of that fear? How is the devil in, uh, battling me with thoughts followed by feelings of fear? And God said, do not respond to life from a position of fear. Be strong and courageous. Courage is, the, is a recognition of fear, but it is a defiance of fear as well. And so he said, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. You know, there are disappointments in life. There are situations that have a way of discouraging us. Look at the word courageous and the word discourage. So obviously the root word is the same, except one means you have courage and the other means you don't have courage. Um, so you can get discouraged. And when you have discouragement, you, you lack the strength and the fortitude and the will to get up and get moving. You know, it, when you've got a difficulty in front of you, sometimes it's difficult to, to, to get one foot in one leg, one foot and one leg in your pair of pants, and then pick the other one up. It's just getting moving, getting going, because uh, discouragement can be like a, a a weight, and you 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 have to trudge through it. 
You have to realize this is the force of hell, the powers of darkness, just trying to discourage you. And when you don't feel like you have the the courage, the strength, and the energy to get moving, just say, Satan, you're not going to put a spirit of discouragement on me. I am not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be disappointed. But I'm going to move forward in my life by faith. And, And that's what we do. We face the future with faith and trust in God. One of my most often quoted verses of Scripture is 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. What that means is we walk by faith in God, not by understanding of the future or knowledge of the future. We're walking into the unknown. It's called the future. And how do you walk into tomorrow? How do you walk into the unknown? How do you go through situations and achieve things and pursue things and have endeavors? You walk by faith, just trusting God, holding tightly to His hand, and believing that the providence of God is going to override your decisions, man decisions, that you're in God's hand, and He's never going to let you out. So we walk by faith, not by sight or understanding. Another verse that is strong in my life is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know, we all have understanding, but it's not God's level of understanding. And there are things we understand and things we don't understand. And so when we don't really have full understanding, we lean on God's understanding. Lord, we're not sure what you're doing, how you're doing it. We're not sure what's going on here, but we're walking by faith. And we're trusting in you. And we're not leaning on our own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So if I will follow Him and seek His face, He will give me direction in life. You should know that God's promise to you is that He will give you direction. He may give you a dream. He may give you a vision. Someone else may come with a prophetic word. He may open the scripture to you to give you direction. You may get a wonderful idea. A light can come on and understanding can flood your heart. A door can come open. It's like, wow, there it is. Or a door can close. You say, well, I know that's not right. But whatever it takes, God said, I will give you direction and I will show you which path to take. Boy, we serve a good God, don't we, folks? We serve a good God. You know, Abraham is the father of all of we as believers. He's the father of us all. It doesn't matter if you have a Jewish ethnicity and a heritage or not. We are all sons of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. And this father of the faith, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse out, he went out not knowing. Let me read it to you. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him and his inheritance. He went out without knowing where he was going. How many of you in your lifetime have gone somewhere not knowing where you were going? You felt like God said go. You felt like the door was open. It was time to move, but it's not all mapped out. It's not all clear. It's not all plain. Abraham, the father of us all, the father of our faith, he went out without knowing exactly what was going to happen or where it was going to happen or exactly what he was doing. He just went out following God. 
I hope I can inspire each of you to walk with God and trust Him one step at a time. And whatever you have to do, go out, even though you don't know, you don't understand, and you're not sure, go out trusting God, and He will lead and guide you if you can find the path that He's chosen for your feet. Can you say amen? Sometimes you and I make plans. We have ideas and we have strategies. And um, sometimes God overrules and overrides our plans. If you walk with God any time at all, there's been some plan or something you had set out to do that somehow God stepped in and overrode your plan. We see this in Proverbs 16 and 9. This is what the Bible said. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And in 1921, he said, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purposes." Will, be, will prevail. So sometimes, you know, you and I make plans and we think we know what's going to happen and we pursue that in great confidence. But the Lord can step in and override our plans and suddenly the picture changed. How many of you can say, Pastor, I've been through a couple seasons in my life when suddenly the picture changed and suddenly I, it looked different than I thought it was. That is not, there's not something wrong with that. That's not a fault on your part. That's not the enemy or anything. It's just God saying, you know what? You had a good plan, but I've got a better one. What you were going to do was going to work, but the one I've got is going to work a whole lot better. So I want to encourage you, especially our young people in the house, dream big. Make really good plans. And pay the price for those plans to come to pass. So we want you to dream big. Dream confidently. Dream enthusiastically. Make a good plan. It's not just going to fall out of the sky and happen. You've got to make a plan. The difference in a fantasy and a real plan is a plan is plotted out step by step. A fantasy is just daydreaming. There's a lot of people that have a daydream. They've got an idea what they want, but they're not walking a path in that direction. They don't have a plan to get there. They're just like, I'm just believing God for this. Well, I'm going to tell you, you've got to put a plan with your faith. You've got to put some action with your dreaming. And so dream big, have a good plan, and step out by faith and expect God to do some good things for you. But I want to be a faithful pastor and tell you that we have all dreamed about things at some point in our lives and planned and paid the price only to find that God had another idea, that he was going to override what we were planning with something bigger, better, and more wonderful. But in that time, know this, that God loves you and his desire is to bless you with the things you desire. God's serious about giving us the desires of our heart. It's not like he just plays with our emotions and wants us to dream about things and desire things and then just say, no, nah, I'm not going to give him that. That's not important. God cares about what you and I care about. He desires for us the things we desire. And if you have godly hopes and godly dreams and things in your future, you need to know that your heavenly Father wants to be a part of that. He's on your side and he wants to bring that to pass. Secondly, I want you to know that he reserves the right to overrule your plan overrule what you desire and make your plan better and give it to you in another way than the way you thought he might give it to you. You know, I was telling Renee the other day, we were talking about our lives. And I said, you know, honey, I know God's going to answer my prayer. It just might not be the way I had envisioned it. 
Sometimes God answers your prayer in a way you didn't envision it, in a way you wasn't thinking it was going to happen. You know, my tendency is I'm a real planner. I love to plan. I love to work plans. I love it when a plan comes together. Yes, amen. Glory, hallelujah. But God takes my plans and he says, look, that's a pretty good plan right there, but I got a better one. So he answers your prayer, not always with your plan, but with a better plan that he puts in your life. And it's that time you've got to walk by faith. The third thing I want you to know is sometimes God asks you to do things you really don't want to do. That doesn't fit into your life plan. It doesn't fit into what you were dreaming or desiring. I'm just telling you right now, God reserves the right to ask me to do something, ask you to do something, take you somewhere, do something with you that you never dreamed and you never wanted to do. And it's not what you had in mind, but God reserves the right to say, no, I need you to do, to do this. You see, if, you don't, if you've got roots of faith and you understand this now, when it happens in your life, you won't be soon shaken. You won't be like, I thought God was going to do this or that, and now this is all happening. No, you trust God, and you realize that sometimes God will ask you to do things that you didn't want to do, you weren't planning to do. It just happens, folks. I mean, when we came to Christ, you and me and every other saved person on this planet, we gave the Lord our lives. We gave him our hopes, our dreams, our life plan, everything. We gave it to him and said, Father, we'll do what you want us to do. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll be what you want us to be. And so we take off on our plan, and we're pursuing our dreams and goals. And God says, wait a minute, uh, not now, not in this way, not in this place. Boop, I want you to go over here and do this. You're like, whoa, God, that, that, wait a minute now. That's a, you're changing the game on me. Let me tell you something. Our Father sent his son to die on this planet for our salvation and he can change the plan of my life and yours at will he has the right to do that first of all he's God secondly he's my savior and thirdly when I got saved I gave him that right I gave it to him God never disappoints you God never disappoints you Life is full of disappointments, but God never disappoints you. If you'll trust God and walk with God, at the end you'll say, thank God we did it His way, not mine. At the end, God never disappoints you. You know, God's not a genie in a bottle. Some of you may remember 30, 40 years ago, there was a little television series called uh, I Dream of Genie, and it was about some guy walking on a beach, found a bottle, picked up the bottle, and a genie comes out. And whatever he asked for, the genie would just, poof, make it happen. Unfortunately, here in modern America, we think God is a genie in our bottle. And we can just pray and, and wish and hope and confess and boom, it's going to happen. At some point in your life, you're going to realize that really isn't the way this thing works. He's God. And he has the right to step into our life at any time. His kingdom is more important than my life. You know, in America, we are narcissistic. It's all about us our lives, pursuing our plan and our dreams, pursuing what we want. And, and there's an element of that is entirely biblical, entirely godly. But somewhere in your life, you're going to realize it really has never been about me. It's always been about the kingdom of God and what he's doing on the planet. The fact is God's plan of redemption is much more important than my life plan. And God's plan is always better. It's always the best. 
it's always what's right. We just learn to trust and believe in him. I want to tell you a quick story, and I'll be done here this morning. <clears throat> in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of William Borden. He was the son of multi-multi-millionaires, the Borden family that was in mining. Uh, they, were unlimited, they had unlimited wealth. And so he went to a private school, graduated with honors, and in between his graduation from the private school and entering into Yale University, his parents, with unlimited finances, said, we want you to travel around the world, spend several months, and just see the world. Now, he'd given his life to the Lord as a young boy and was a fervent Christian. But as he traveled the world, his heart was touched by the hurting, the needy, the hungry of the world. And in that time, he wrote back home and said to his mother and dad, who had great hopes for him, I want to be a missionary, and I'm dedicating the rest of my life to being a missionary and trying to help hurting, hungry people. His family told him that his decision was the equivalent of a disaster and that he was throwing away not only a fortune, but a most significant life. But he was so completely convinced that God had called him and that this was his mission in life that he gave up his fortune, went on to Yale University, uh, but committed himself to learning the ministry so that he could ultimately become a missionary. It was during that time that he infamously wrote in his Bible, no reserve, no reserve. He was giving everything he had into the kingdom of God, his whole future, his whole plan, the hopes of his parents, the opportunity, everything he had, he was giving it up to God. He wrote in his Bible, no reserve. He would go on to uh, Yale University. And then later he would graduate from Princeton as well as he formalized his education for ministry. It was during that time that he would host a Bible study. A Bible study that started small but became a movement throughout the whole university. Two-thirds of the entire student body became a part of that movement. Thousands were converted to Christ. Many of the people that were a part of that movement and that were influenced by William Borden became leading figures in the 20th century kingdom of God. Some of you might remember the name Bill Bright who founded Youth for it with a Mission, one of the most significant leaders in, in church history. And Bill Bright was one of the men that sat in his Bible stool as a young student and was influenced by this man Borden. Well, he would ultimately graduate with honors and, and had all the money in the world and the education, and he was ready to finally to go on his mission trip. He was going to China. That's the country that had captured his heart. And he was going to dedicate himself to Muslim people, to converting them to Christ. But en route there, he stopped over in Cairo, Egypt, for a short uh, break in the trip. He contacted a spinal meningitis. Just a few days later, this 25-year-old committed young man to the missions the rest of his life died in Cairo, Egypt. But before he died, he would write these words, no regrets, no regrets. The fact is, he gave his life for something that he never fully got to live out. But guess what? The movement that he initiated in college, which was not the bullseye, which was not what he was giving his life for, became a movement that spread not only around the nation, but around the world. And some of the key leaders of the 20th century church came right out of that movement of William Borden. So somehow what he planned and what he dreamed did not come to pass. 
the road that he thought he would walk the rest of his life didn't seem to happen and it didn't play out just right. But God had a better plan. God wanted to use his commitment and his story more than his life. When the newspaper spread it across America that the heiress, um, William Borden, had given his life to missionary work and had died before ever having arrived on the mission field, the news of that and his simple statement of no regret, no reserve, all of that began to spread across the nation, inspiring thousands of people to give their lives totally to Christ and produce an entire movement that impacted the entire 20th century church. So here is a man that gave his life to Christ for real and had a plan, went to school, was educated, and was set up to pursue his life goal for God. And yet God had another grander, more glorious plan that he instituted for William Borden. We have to be prepared for God to substitute our plan with a better plan. And the fact is, sometimes God's plans take time to work out, to bear fruit, and for it to be revealed why God substituted the plan. I want to prepare each and every one of you in your life to know that you serve a good and a wonderful God, and He will sometimes substitute your plan with an even better plan. So here's the word for you here today. I hope that you will write it on your heart, memorize it, put it on your screensaver, paste it on your desk or your refrigerator. But let this be the word for you in the coming months as you step into your new season. God said it very simply. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you say amen? Joshua 1, and that would have been verse 9. Can you say amen? You can close your Bibles now. We're going to enter into the time of prayer for um, our teachers and students. And I want to invite each of you that would like prayer today to come forward. If you're a teacher, a faculty member, or work in the educational field in some way at whatever level and you'd like for us to pray with you come forward now I'm inviting my pastors and elders to come and stand each of them will have a small vial of, of olive oil that we have prayed over and believe that this is just a tangible symbol of the anointing and the grace of God that's coming on your life if this is for a member or a non-member, of course, that never matters. If you want to be a part of this, please come forward. Our pastors and elders are standing here, and we're going to begin to pray over you. I want to ask my wife, Renee, to join me if she will. Um, today, when you as teachers and faculty members leave, um, I'm going to give you a teacher's prayer. It is a prayer that I'm giving you to pray over your student, your fellow faculty members. And I want you to take that with you. Uh, last year I did something similar, and this is something good to uh, make a digital copy so you can have it available. Paste it on your wall or your desk, but this is my prayer for you. And then in addition to that, I wrote a prayer for teachers and faculty members, and uh, we're going to pray that prayer over you now. I'm going to read it, and I read this prayer over you. And as I'm reading this prayer, our pastors and elders are going to step forward and anoint you with oil right there on your forehead and say a word of prayer and blessing over you. And as I begin to pray, they can begin that now. I pray for you today because you are called to be a teacher. And you have dedicated your life to ex educating the next generation. 
you are a very special person, and I thank you for your sacrifice and service. May the Lord bless you with his constant presence, with his indescribable love, and with his great grace. I pray for you continually, asking God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of him. I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so you can understand the purpose and the reward of your calling. I also pray that you will understand the incredible magnitude of God's power, which is available to you because you believe in Him. I ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will so that your life will always honor and please the Lord and that your work will produce every kind of good fruit. I pray for you to grow personally as you learn to know God better and better. I also pray that you be strengthened by all His glorious power so that you have all of the endurance and patience you may need. May your heart be filled with joy, and may you always be thankful to God for calling you to be a teacher. I pray for your family, your health, your finances, and your career. May the blessing of the Lord of our Almighty God be upon every area of your life, and may He supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which He has been given to us, in Christ Jesus. And everyone say amen. amen. Thank the Lord. God bless all of our wonderful educators in the house. Give them a hand clap. God bless them so very much. Both of these prayers will be given to you as uh, you leave here today. Our people are getting ready to do that. The next group of people we want to pray for is our college students high school students, and our middle school students. So we would like to invite you forward. If you're a college student, vocational training, you're pursuing higher education in any fashion, you're welcome to come forward now. These are our high schoolers and our junior high. Once again, our pastors and elders are going to step forward and anoint each of you and pray over you separately um, and pray God's blessing on your life that, that the presence of God would go with you this year. Be with you every minute of every day and bless you in every area of your life. And um, kind of even it out, guys. Get some in the middle here. All right. Now, Pastor Renee is going to lead this prayer, and I want to ask our pastors and elders to go forward and begin to pray over each of our students individually. Father, we just thank you for every student that is represented here. We know, Lord, that in this culture, they have many challenges in front of them. But you are greater than any challenge that will be presented them. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even in the word it declares over you, Jesus, that you were filled with wisdom and that you, your, your stature increased and that the favor of God was upon you. So you increased in wisdom, stature and favor and we pray over every student today that wisdom to make the right choices would be upon them we thank you lord jesus that our lives are dependent upon the choices that we make and you have given us strength and ability and wisdom 
to make those right choices. We pray over them now, Lord, that their stature would increase, that their character would increase, that the truth of your word would become significant in their lives in every way. We thank you, Father, that favor of man and favor of God is upon them. Everywhere they put the sole of their feet, that you will give them that territory, that you will cause favor to be upon them. We thank you, Lord, that their minds are the minds of Christ, that they will respond according to your word. We thank you, Lord, that they will finish what they have begun. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that every student will receive into their lives the teachers, the mentors that are you have chosen for them for such 